0: Hi, this is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastronomy.com, And this is Moonlight. 1. The Context of the Moon As you're probably aware, the Moon is gravitationally locked onto the Earth, meaning it doesn't spin on its axis, and we on Earth only ever see one side of it. But since the Moon doesn't orbit the equator, and since we are viewing it from the surface of a spherical planet, rather than a single point in space, it's actually possible to see 59% of the Moon's surface from Earth. The apparent swaying motion of the Moon in its orbit, allowing us to see this extra surface, is called Libration, and there's a nice video mock-up of it on Wikipedia. The majority of moons in the solar system do orbit their planet's equator, So the Moon's different orbit is kind of interesting. In fact, the Moon is following what's called a Laplace plane, which is a geometric representation of the local warping of space-time generated by the Earth versus the overarching warping generated by the Sun, which sits at the centre of the Solar System and holds 98.6% of the Solar System's mass. It seems likely that early on in the Moon's history, When the Moon orbited much closer to the Earth, it probably did orbit around the Earth's equator. But as it's moved further out, its orbital plane has begun to trend towards the ecliptic, which is the orbital plane of the planets around the Sun, to which the Earth's axis is tilted by 23.5 degrees. At this point in its history, the Moon's orbital plane is now tilted only 5 degrees from the ecliptic, and will presumably get even closer over the next billion years or so. 2. How the Moon Eclipses the Sun The difference in the Moon's orbital plane and the ecliptic is why solar and lunar eclipses are relatively rare events. Remember that the ecliptic also represents Earth's orbital plane around the Sun, even though the Earth's axis is tilted. So, a total solar eclipse is only going to be possible around the time of a new moon, and only when the orbital plane of the moon crosses the Earths. All of which happens about twice a year. At these times, the umbral shadow of the moon follows a track about 16,000 kilometres long, and only 160 kilometres wide. And if you're standing inside this track, you should enjoy a total eclipse. I say should because sometimes there are eclipses where the moon isn't actually big enough to fully cover the sun's disk, called annular eclipses. This is because the moon has an elliptical orbit. When it's at its closest point to Earth, the perigee of the ellipse, it's about 360,000 kilometres away and about 13% bigger than when it's at apogee and about 407,000 kilometres away. So, if you want to see a totally total eclipse, you really want the Moon close to perigee. And just to keep it interesting, be aware that its orbit also precesses quite fast, meaning the whole ellipse, with its perigee and apogee, progressively shifts about the Earth, doing a complete cycle once every 8.8 years. As early as 300 BC, the Babylonians are known to have identified the Saros Cycle, which means that starting with one solar eclipse in one location, be it total, annular, hybrid or partial, you can accurately predict that another geometrically identical eclipse will occur at a location to the west, one-third of the way around the Earth, 18 years, 11 days and 8 hours later. So if you wait three Saros Cycles or 54 years and 33 days, a geometrically identical eclipse will return to the first location you started with. 3. The role of the Moon in timekeeping Although the Moon takes only 27.3 days to orbit the Earth, there will be about 30 days between one full Moon and the next. This is because the Earth has progressed about one-twelfth of its way around the Sun in the intervening period. So the Moon has to progress about one-twelfth further in its orbit before it once again rises just as the Sun sets, giving you a full moon. Although there is a close approximation between months in our calendar and the lunar cycle, it is an approximation. There's 12.3 full moons per year. And, something which is of interest to traditional farmers, there's about three full moons in each season. And just occasionally, you can get four full moons in one season, what farmers call a blue moon. So, next time you hear that something happens once in a blue moon, that's actually once every 2.7 years. 4. Observing the Moon The moon orbits the Earth from the west to the east, which is the same direction that the earth is spinning if you look down on the earth from above the north pole the moon would be orbiting in an anti-clockwise direction and the earth would be spinning in an anti-clockwise direction but over 27 times faster of course it's the earth's west to east spin that makes everything in the sky seem to move relatively quickly from east to west this is why you should check the moon's position at about the same time each night if you want to see that it is actually orbiting from west to east. For the two weeks prior to a full moon, if you look for it just after sunset, it will progress night by night from a new moon to a waxing crescent to first quarter in about one week, then become waxing gibbous until you get a full moon another week later. Then for two weeks after the full moon, It will rise later in the night as waning gibbous, then third quarter which will be rising around midnight a week after the full moon, then a waning crescent shrinking back to a new moon nearly 30 days after the last one. 5. What exactly is moonlight? Moonlight is of course just reflected sunlight and sometimes the moon will seem brighter because it's in the perigee of its orbit and hence appears 13% bigger. The amount of light per unit area being reflected at Earth also varies depending on the angle it is being lit from the Sun. For example, during the first and third quarters, although we still see around 50% of the Sun's face lit, the Moon is only 8% as bright as it will be on a full Moon. This is because at first and third quarters, we are seeing it lit from the side, and more of the surface has shadows than during a full moon. Overall, though, the moon isn't particularly good at reflecting sunlight. Reflectivity of sunlight, also known as albedo, ranges from about 99% for Saturn's ice covered moon Enceladus, 65% for cloud covered Venus, and down to 5% for some of the asteroids. The albedo of the moon's surface is only around 7%, which is about as good as it gets with most regolith-covered celestial objects with no atmosphere. 6. What does the Earth look like from the Moon? It's been estimated that the sight of a full Earth from the Moon's surface would be a hundred times brighter than the full Moon seen from Earth. This is partly because the Earth would be bigger in the sky, but also because it has a much higher albedo averaging at 37%, though varying a lot depending on cloud cover and what part of the surface is in view. No one has ever seen a full Earth from the Moon, since you can only see one during a mid-lunar night, and NASA didn't want its astronauts stumbling around in the dark, even with some Earthshine to work under. There are pictures of Earth in Crescent phase from the Apollo missions, which show that from the Moon's surface the crescent always appears horizontally lit. Michael Collins, the command module pilot of Apollo 11, admits he got it wrong when designing their mission patch, which shows an imagined crescent Earth that is lit from the side. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where your capacity for saving is infinite. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.